For the past 12 years, I have brought you conversations with great photographers. From legends to lesser-known photographers, it's always been my goal to introduce you to people who not only produce great work, but who are also inspirations. Over the past few months, as I've met many of you, you have shared how much the show has meant to you. I'm not only flattered by that, but it has encouraged me to produce more conversations for many years to come. Your financial support has also been invaluable. It has allowed us to create the free Candid Frame app and the new Alexa skill. It has also helped us to invest in microphones, recording devices, and software that's helped us to improve the sound quality of the show and improve the website. It's also helped us to travel to meet photographers in person to conduct interviews face-to-face, which provides a wonderful dynamic to our conversations. If you love what we're doing here and it's making a difference in your photographic life, I encourage you to donate today. You can support the work we do here by contributing as little as $2 a month to our Patreon campaign. That modest donation helps us to bring a quality show to you every week. Contribute today by visiting patreon.com forward slash the candid frame. This is Ibody and X, and this is The Candid Frame. How many times have you had a great idea pop into your head? You get excited. I mean, just the thought alone gets your blood pumping. You can feel it right there in the middle of your chest. You share the idea with a friend, and they reply, That's a great idea. You should do it. And then, crickets. Nothing. Like so many ideas, they disappear into the ether. I've had my share of those. But then there are some people who not only have a great idea, but a crazy one. Not only do they hear people encouraging them to do it, but there's also a chorus of others who chime in and say that it just can't happen. I suspect that photographer Forrest Walker heard a lot of both when he decided to travel the world and visit 100 cities. Everyone daydreams of traveling. Forrest took it to an extreme that not only resulted in amazing photography, but also some physical and financial challenges. The idea is both wonderful and crazy, and as he nears the end of his five-year adventure, he sits down with us to share how he took an outlandish idea and made it come true. Well, I'm glad we can finally do this. I'm sorry, sorry we didn't catch each other or you're going, going through L.A. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It's I, all good, I have though. to say, when I got to um, see your presentation, I, you know, I know I saw you talk about your work in, in, in Miami, but, you know, Miami. I really just, you know, fell in love with the imagery all over again, looking at it in San Francisco. Thank you. Yeah, I added, I yeah. did some changes on it, too. You're so good. Yeah. <laughs> He's such a good photographer. It really is. Uh, I felt a little jealous. I have to admit. It's like, God, man. Uh, but you know, when you when you're traveling, you get to dedicate that much time to photography. I, I I can only assume that it only makes you better. Yeah, well, I hope so. Yeah, I mean, I sh- I'm shooting every day, so hopefully. 
it's yeah. helping. Yeah. <laughs> so for people who are not familiar with what you've been doing, why don't you sort of give us a, a primer uh, in terms of the adventure that you've been on? Because it's really fascinating. Okay. Well, um, I guess it's been about three and a half years. I started this project. I was living in Istanbul at the time, doing some work there. And I decided to uh, try to do something that something big, something that hasn't been done before. And I uh, decided to focus on major cities and try to photograph uh, at least 100 major cities and cover all regions of the world and try to spread it out to all the continents and just cover all like most of the major cities that I could. And so I've been doing that for three and a half years. And this is a major city. I'm actually in New York City right now, but this is a uh, major city number 82. So I'm getting I'm another year and I should be done and I need to be done. The, the question <laughs> is, why do it in the first place? Because that is, by any measure, a crazy endeavor to take on. Yeah, so, well, that's part, what, part what, of the reason why. Really? That it's a crazy endeavor. Yeah, I, I just, I wanted to do something. I, I just wanted to do something, I guess, what I considered to be big. So um, lots of stuff's been done. I mean, I just, uh, I really am fascinated by uh, major cities, uh, big cities, I guess you could say, uh, because sometimes they get a bad rep and a uh, bad rap and and there's just so much more to them than meets the eye. They're not all just uh, busyness. And, and uh, I mean, people like the, the smaller cities because lots of times they're more beautiful on the outside. Mm-hmm. But I, I really like delving into major cities, big cities and seeing all the different layers there. And surprisingly enough, uh, a lot of big cities haven't really been photographed that much when it comes to the life. So you have places like London and New York, which have been photographed a lot. But then a lot of other big cities, like uh, I just got done doing South America and Central America. But going through Central, there's, there's just not a whole lot of photography on those big cities. So I kind of wanted to, that was another reason I wanted to do it. And I wanted to see if I could be able to do all these different cities across all cultures uh, with one photographer just to see. I'm sure there'll be some, some similarities and just getting a connection between those places. I thought it would be a, an interesting thing to take on. I've I've talked to people in the past who've taken on big projects and sometimes it's been the result of some major life change. You know, they, they lost their job. They lost the reliability of that. And rather than going back to that, they decided, I'm just going to do something that I wouldn't have otherwise been able to do or some Uh, other, some other, you know, there was some other catalyst for it. So I, I can understand why the idea of it appealed to you, but I'm trying to sort of understand, because there are a lot of people who have great ideas that mm-hmm. just never manifest them. Right. And I'm just trying to understand, well, what is it about Forrest that allowed him not only to come up with the idea, but to actually make it happen? To do it. Uh, yeah. So I, I didn't graduate in anything photography related, and I was uh, graduating in economics and business. And always really good at math. So that's kind of what I was doing for a while. I didn't lose my job or anything. I, I was getting interested in photography. And I did finally decide to quit and then jump into photography full time. But it still was a couple years before I jumped into this project. So I wouldn't say that was really a catalyst for it. But, but I did have more of an opportunity to do that because of, because of not have a, having a full time nine to five anymore. And so I guess it's just part of my personality to want to do something while I still can. I mean, my life could change at any time and I don't have any kids right now. I have my health right now. So I just thought it was, if I'm going to do something like that, I have to do it now. I am, I, my personality is kind of like that. I, I want to be able to at least do something in my life that I feel is, is not something that everyone does. So 
that, that was a big reason for it. Yeah. So before you took this on, you said you, you were starting to work as a photographer. What kind of photographer uh, were you? Well, I was on the side, so I had a nine to five. So uh, I, I dabbled in different stuff like weddings. I didn't like weddings too much. I did uh, do some fashion. Uh, I moved to Miami for a couple of years and I was doing some fashion work there. I liked that a little more, but still it wasn't, uh, it just uh, didn't appeal to me completely. I mean, for fun, I was, when I travel, I like travel photography, but I didn't really make any money or try to doing that. So that's what I was doing. And then I was started working to, uh, to trying to get into documentary and I did a couple documentary projects and that's kind of how, that's how it led me to Istanbul. And that's what led me to this project too. And I also did have saved, I, I had wanted to do something. Uh, at first, I didn't think of anything like uh, this, this project I'm working on now, but I wanted to do some type of documentary work that was more uh, my own vision and not unnecessarily paid. I had saved quite a bit of money beforehand too to, to give me a chance. So that money's gone now, but it did, did last <laughs> me a little while. <laughs> it gave me a good start. So what was the project that took you to Istanbul? Oh, it was just a little, I was, uh, there's this district in Fatih and, uh, which is like, uh, basically where Istanbul began and or Constantinople. It's the old area of the city and it's a, it's a tourist area because of, there's the new mosque, there's uh, the bazaar and things like that. But within the area, there's places that tourists don't go to. And it's actually, uh, some of the poor areas too. And there's, there's a couple areas there where it's a mixture of, uh, refugees, Syrian, uh, gypsies, Kurdish, and even some Turkish too. So I was doing some work there. So you get this idea in your head about okay, this this idea of traveling around the world and hitting all these all these cities. Where do you start from there? Because you'd never done anything like this before, right? You know, what were those what were those first initial steps that you needed to take in order to start to m make this happen for real? Well, uh, I was already living in Istanbul while I got the idea, so I was already photographing. Istanbul and if you've ever been there it's it's one of still one of my favorite cities for photography so I was doing work there and then I was taking a couple trips like I went to Greece at Athens and Lisi Georgia and that's kind of where the idea started yeah the first steps were uh, I did when I first started it was more just out of interest and then it became more and more serious as I went after the first year I started taking it really serious about how long I have to spend there because the first few cities other than Istanbul that I lived in I wasn't spending enough time in to really get a good feel for it and to get that many photos but now I, I always stay a minimum of at least a week in each city and I make sure it's fully dedicated to photography so I'm I'm there like out shooting eight hours a day at least and I average like uh, I guess it's around over 20 kilometers or 14 miles per day. So I'm out there shooting constantly now to, to try to see. And also I, I have more of a research beforehand, making sure I, I, I explore a variety of areas within each city. So it's, it's it, once after the, I'd say the first six months, it really got uh, more, I guess, uh, well, well oiled and, and, uh, and the photos, I feel like got better because of that too. I'd almost like to revisit a few of the cities I started in because I, I didn't have the same focus, but so yeah. So, you, you know, with, with figuring things out, I mean, financials is always a big concern. So you said you had some money sort of saved up. Right. So how did you sort of think about, okay, I have this, I have this amount of money and I want to cover as much as I can. What were some of the sort of logistical choices that you had to make in terms of travel and accommodations right. and whatever well, else in order to make the most out of, out of what you had money-wise? Yeah, um, yeah, I, I definitely live on a budget. I, I spend a lot less money now, even with uh, 
airfare and travel expenses. I spend a lot less money than I ever did before I started this. So I, I'm never staying at hotels. I'm always staying at hostels. Uh, so that saves quite a bit of money staying at hostels. Uh, I don't ever eat out really. I mean, fast food maybe, but usually just the groceries and things like that. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to save money. I, I, I try to, logistically, I try to uh, check out airfare and uh, plan like routes that will save me more money. Like just now I'm in New York and I already was planning on going to Accra, Ghana and finishing some of Africa, but it was just so much more expensive to fly from New York than if I fly to London and then down to uh, Ghana. It's quite a bit cheaper even combined. So I decided to, uh, that's why I'm going to, because uh, I've already covered London. So I'm going to go up to Glasgow and cover there just because of uh, logistics. So things like that do happen sometimes. So, but yeah, it's all, it's all, I'm always trying to save money. So any way I can, uh, food is a big, big way to save money and lodging. Those are the two ways you can really save quite a bit of money if you try. So talk to me about the research that you would do for each place. Cause you mentioned before, you know, you got to spend a week there photographing mm-hmm. and you had to sort of educate yourself in terms of not just where the locations are, but possibly, you know, when the light is best. And then you also have to sort of understand any sort of cultural taboos or things like that with respect right. to photography. So, you know, what resources did you, did you use before? And once you were there, uh, did you solicit any help to, to sort of aid you in sort of negotiating the locations? Okay. Yeah. You did mention about light and things like that. I do try to plan things out. So I'm basically in a never ending summer. So that is one thing. So I mm. at least have more light and uh, a better chance of weather because when I am in a place for a week, still not that much time. And if I get bad weather, that, that really, I mean, the, the costs don't go down when I get bad weather. So I'm just feel like I'm wasting money if it's raining every day or no light. So I do try to go to uh, places when it's summer. Also, as far as research, uh, I use in, in the internet mostly. So I search online places to go, um, if I can find any forums or anything, I'll look for that to see where people talked about cities and places to, to photograph. There's not that much information on most cities, though, outside of the like Tokyo and London and New York. There's really not most information uh, photography related is like tourist attractions or uh, viewpoints, things like that, sunsets. So uh, that is un- why I did start a blog, too, that uh, covers different, uh, recommends different places to shoot, kind of shares my photography, gives tips and, and covers different cities that I've been to. So that, that kind of, uh, that started about, I think just only a few cities into the project. I decided to do that too, just because there really isn't that much information. So I do try to do the best I can on researching, but mostly I just find a few places that sound good. And and then I try to walk everywhere. That's why I don't use transportation if I can help it. So, uh, I just walk everywhere and that helps me find other places too. Do you, did you ever sort of talk to locals to sort of get a lay of the land and recommendations from them? Or uh, you... I, I used to do that more. I, I don't know. I, I found it didn't really help me that much. Uh, lots of times it, it, it wasted time. It, it depends on who the local is. I mean, a lot of cities, if the, if the local is, is into street photography or photography like I am, then definitely that can help. But most people are really not, don't really understand what I'm looking for. So, they still usually recommend uh, the places that you'd expect, like yeah. viewpoints and things like that, even if I tell them not to. So I just found that it's better just to do what I think's best and then just explore. So, I mean, I, I already know like some areas I'll check maybe 
where there's markets, uh, you know, metro stations, those, those key places, and then kind of work my way walking around from there. So what were you looking for in each of these cities that you'd go out? Because, you know, from the photographic perspective, you're always looking for good light, interesting yeah. characters, but beyond sort of, sort of the obvious tropes of photography, what, mm -hmm. what was really, what were you really hoping to capture in each city uh, beyond just saying, Oh, I've been to all these cities and I made all these photographs. Well, I guess I'm trying to get the different layers of the city, the life like beneath, I guess, the, the chaos. I, I do like to go to neighborhoods, not just like main streets. Uh, I'm trying to find the different layers, the variety of life from the more posh areas to the edgier areas. Just trying to find all those connections within different cities across different cultures. So you really have to delve into each city. So I'm really trying to find... Uh, when I go to a city, I don't. I try to approach every city the same. I try not to think of like cliche things or specifics. I just kind of just go out and shoot and try to approach it the same and mm -hmm. hopefully find similarities in life that way. That doesn't matter where I am; that I'll still find those same things that I'm interested in. So, what was what was one of the bigger surprises? You know that you hadn't anticipated once you got out there and you're in the middle of doing this thing. I, I did anticipate this would be. Uh, a big project, but it, once I started it, it felt even bigger. Um, I mean, it's, it, uh, to most people, it sounds like a dream, but after the first year, it, it does, there's a lot of things that get difficult. I mean, you're, you're always basically alone uh, on the road. Uh, you run into a lot of problems, especially when you're on a budget, things don't always work out. So it, it's definitely more difficult than I anticipated. Uh, to keep the motivation sometimes is hard. Money ran out, things like that. Uh, even if you try to save money, it still it adds up. So all those things are I uh, I wouldn't say I didn't anticipate them, but they're a lot a uh, lot worse than I expected. And really, the only thing push, holding me now is just that I don't like uh, I can't give up on uh, once I hit eighty cities. I, it, that would be a waste. I feel like so that's really <laughs> the only thing keeping me going. I mean, running out of money is is I would consider a crisis, especially outside of uh, being outside of the country. What how do you sort of resolve that? What do you well, do? Well, I keep enough cash, but I, yeah, I, I do uh, go in. I am somewhat in debt, too, so I do have credit cards to keep me going. So that, that, that's kind of what happened. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I make some money. I do teach workshops, and I make some money from the website, too. But it's really not enough. So, yeah, I had to use credit cards sometimes to help me. It's not the best thing, but, uh, but yeah, that's what I had to do. How demanding is this physically? Uh, it's pretty demanding, but I don't know. I, I'm probably, um, I've always been into fitness, so, but I never walk this much. So the walking is, is demanding, but since I do it every day, it doesn't feel too bad. I mean, like when I go home, like I try to go home once a year to see family over the holidays. So then I'll take a few weeks off. And then once I get back on the road, I can feel like just a few weeks and I'm out of shape. I'll, I'll be tired. But mm. after I get going, it just, uh, I think just, yeah, my body's used to uh, walking so much. And now if I don't, don't go out and shoot, I get extremely restless now because my body's just so used to walking uh, 20, 15 miles, 20 kilometers a day. So it's, it's, yeah. it's like I need it now. So I don't know what I'm going to do once I stop. So. Do you drop a lot of weight when you're doing this? Yeah, I, I dropped like, uh, well, I used to work out. So I, uh, I dropped mostly muscle, but it's, it's like 20, I'm about 15 pounds lighter than when I started. But that was all, it's all like, uh, it wasn't fat. It was just muscle, really, that I lost. 
I'm sure your mom isn't too happy when she sees you. She's okay. You're going to sit down. I'm going to feed you. Hey, when I go home, I get constant comments about how skinny I am. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't think I'm that skinny, but they do. <laughs> your mom, you're never, you're never fat enough for your mom. Right, right. You know? So when you, when you go out there and, and you shoot, um, tell me about that, you know, that experience. Because I think it's, you know, I think it's everyone's dream to dedicate that much time to photography. But doing it for as long as you do each day is really sort of demanding, not just physically, but in terms of being able to see and perceive in, in, in a creative way. You know, sometimes it can be labor intensive, for lack of a better word. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where you, 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 that your, your, your ability to see in, in the right way can get clouded by any variety of factors, being hungry, being tired, just being out all day, the heat, so on and so forth. So doing yeah. that day after day after day, how, how do you handle those, those challenges? Well, like you, you asked right before about physically, and the, the physical part is, not, is pretty easy. Uh, I just try to stay in shape and it's fine. But the mental part is definitely gets, gets exhausting. I mean, um, I definitely have to eat. If, I, uh, if I'm hungry at all, I, I can't photograph. So that, that's the one thing that, that you, I do have to eat breakfast when I get up and, and get ready for the day. But, but other ways to, to keep going. I do have one, um, one advantage uh, is that I'm going to new places all the time. So I have that. Uh, I mean, every place is new, most places. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's a little, it's easier for me to stay mentally, uh, I guess, inspired because everything's so new. Um, so I think that that helps, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, I just, sometimes I do feel like, uh, many times I felt like quitting. So you just kind of have to, uh, just kind of tell yourself you can't quit and just, just push through. Sometimes it's hard. And, uh, there's probably weeks where I haven't been the best, uh, as, uh, I haven't got as many good photos because I've been a little down, but it's just something you kind of have to push through. I don't know if there's any big secret, but just kind of keeping your, uh, your eye on the goal, I guess, is the best thing to do. While listening to an episode of TCF, you may have had moments where you wish you had the opportunity to see the photographer at work and even possibly have their feedback on your own photography. What would it mean? to have insight and feedback from a photographer that inspired you to make photographs. That's the idea behind Philaborate, a new online photo education site that launches this weekend. It provides a unique opportunity not only to learn from great photographers like Peter Turnley, Amy Vitale, and Thomas Heaton, but also to interact with them during live webinars where they critique member images as well as reply to questions from the community. Each month, a documentary on a new master photographer will be released, where you get to see them at work discussing the thoughts and ideas behind their imagery. These are followed by photo critiques and live webinars, where members from all over the world conduct an online salon with a photographer. Along with that, members have the chance to participate in monthly assignments and engage in the site's forums. I'm honored and excited to be one of the founding members of this service and invite you to check it out and become a member today. Find out more by visiting philaborate.com, spelled P-H-O-L-A-B.
B-O-R-A-T-E.com. Collaborate.com. I really love um, your layered compositions. I mean, I like all your photographs, but I'm I'm really kind of focused on the layered compositions because that's I'm I'm striving to sort of get that, and I've, mm-hmm. I'm yet to do it to the point that I'm any anywhere near consistent. But for me, when I'm trying to build layered compositions, for me, it is sort of evaluating the potential of a scene in terms of foreground, middle ground, background, and then pretty much lingering in a space and waiting for things to sort of play out. Mm-hmm. You know, but I'm doing it on sort of a leisurely, leisurely pace. You know what I mean? Right. You are sort of, you're trying to hit maybe various spots at a location. Granted, you have a week. But, you know, when it comes to those moments when you're trying to create those kinds of more complex compositions, is it easier or harder to allow those things to play out when you have the kind of agenda that you have and a relatively finite period in which to create the pictures? I try not to, but sometimes I do feel pressure to, I only have a, so, many, uh, so much time in each city. So I do feel some pressure because I want to leave with some decent photos. But I try not to think about that because that'll just get me off, get me off my game. But like um, when I'm out there, uh, I do have a, to hit a lot of places, but it's also my natural way of shooting is to move a lot. So it kind of doesn't really affect that because I would shoot the same way, I think. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I might not waste as much time hitting some spots that really are, end up not being that interesting. But, but when I'm out shooting, I don't think I would change how I shoot. Uh, so... Uh, yeah, I, I kind of just like to keep moving. I don't like to spend too much time in one spot and wait for stuff to happen. I mean, if I really like the area, if there's some really good activity going on, or I like the light or the background, maybe I will. But usually if I, I just keep moving until I see something, and I just go right in there and, and take the shot. And that usually, I mean, whenever I have waited it out, it even if I might make the composition better, the first shot is usually the best anyway, um, just because I guess it has, it's what I saw. Uh, so yeah, I just like to move, uh, just walk around, move, and when I see something, go in and get the shot and then keep moving. So uh, I do kind of try to time things when it comes to layers. I'm big on timing, so I'll see all the layers. I might, I, I'll try to find things maybe uh, to help complete the scene and uh, try to time when they're all going to cross into the right, right places, which is kind of just guessing a little bit, mm-hmm. but, uh, cause you never know exactly if someone's going to stop or move or how fast, but you, sometimes you can time it right. So I do, at, even as I'm moving and I see something, I'm looking at all the pieces around it and trying to time it. So right when I'm at the right spot to take the photo, that all comes together too. So I might pick up my speed or slow down as I get there, because usually once you get in there and you take the shot, um, the, the the moment will be ruined after that shot because someone in all those layers is going to see you, probably. Yeah, photographing all these people, all these different cultures, all these different parts of the world. In in what ways did the people respond to you in similarly and differently? I mean, it it is different depending on where I'm at, but I don't know. Over oh, since I started this project, I don't get nearly as many reactions as I used to, so it must be something I'm doing different. Um, most people don't, even if I'm close up, uh, they don't really know that I took the photo. Even I, I don't shoot from the hip. I always put the camera to my eye, but it's just, I guess, how I move now. Um, so they usually don't even know that I took the photo. Um, so I don't really get 
no matter where I'm at, I don't get too many bad reactions. But, but sometimes in some areas where they don't like photos as much, you'll get a lot of no photos. I always have my uh, camera in hand just for wrist wrap. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I don't carry a bag or anything like that. I just kind of like to be minimal on that. And so I get comments just when people see my camera in some areas. But I don't really have too much problem. Uh, since the first year, I just feel like I've kind of learned how to, to weave my way in and out of places without really, uh, really affecting too much. But you do have to be careful. Like I like to go to places where um, I guess it would be a considered like more edgy and a little more dangerous sometimes because mm-hmm. a lot of times you have a lot of older character in these places. And for whatever reason, more people are outside just living life as compared to the more like polished newer areas where people are moving in and out but not really hanging out. So uh, you have to be a lot more careful there. You just kind of have to uh, look around, make sure you're not taking photos of anybody that's doing something that might not be legal. Mm-hmm. And other than that, you just kind of have to work fat more fast. And if anyone does say anything, I found out that, that they'd being friendly but, but confident. Uh, I, I mean, I never apologize or anything like that because I don't, I feel like if you, I don't feel like I'm doing anything wrong or I wouldn't do it, but also because uh, I feel like if you do apologize, then their suspicions are now confirmed that you did something wrong. I feel like if you're confident but friendly, that that usually is enough for most people. So no matter the culture. So, Uh, Did you find yourself in in a particular sticky situation at some point? Yeah, a few times. Yeah, I've had uh, one time I had a knife pulled on me. But yeah, there there are a few few points. Uh, Usually it happens when um, actually I think er almost everyone, every bad time I can think of happened not from the person I took a photo of but from someone watching me mm-hmm. and then coming over and kind of uh, being aggressive, like, I guess, somewhat territorial. So that's usually what happens. It's usually never the person that I took a photo of that gets mad. It's, it's someone watching. But, like, sometimes uh, the, the knife incident, I just was not in the right area, and nothing actually happened. They, they tried to instigate something, but it, it never went down. And I have had to a few times, well, not, not where it actually uh, came to a confrontation, but where I could see something might happen. I've had to get get, it, uh, get out of the area quickly. So a big thing is just to always observe your surroundings and just you're already kind of doing that anyway because of the photography, but watching body language is big to also help you to see if anything might happen. Yeah. As you're producing the, the photographs, are you sort of assessing on your laptop or on your tablet as you're making them, or do you wait until you, know, you get back to really evaluate what you're doing? Well, both. I try to upload every day just to get them on the computer. Then I go through them very quickly. I just do, I have Lightroom and I just rate them one to five. And I just do that so that I don't have like, I mean, I take so many photos. I wouldn't want to wait months to look, go through them all and have thousands and thousands of pictures to go through. So I try to do that just to keep up, but I don't think too hard. I just kind of rate one to five and really five is the only ones that have a a chance of maybe I'll like in the future. And then I kind of keep them for a while and then I go back later. So like when I share photos, they're usually like a year old. So I don't think I've shared much at all from the last year. Uh, That talk you saw me do, that was the only time I've shared anything from this year. So yeah, so I do wait a while to actually really go uh, to really go through them, but I do kind of go through them as I, as I shoot too. You say you don't carry a camera bag. What, what do you carry with you? I just carry a, it's just a wrist strap connected to the camera and a few batteries in my pocket. That's it. 
So what's the camera and what are the lenses that you're using? I use a Fujifilm X-Pro2, which is what I've used for most of the... When I first started the project, I was using a Leica M9. And then due to some problems with that, I, I ended up switching to an X-Pro1 because it was on a... There was a package deal. And I ended up, I ended up liking it, st- stuck to that, and then upgraded to the, the X-Pro2 a couple years ago. So I've been using that. I shoot... With the project, I shoot about 85% with the uh, 18 millimeter, which is like 27, 28 millimeter equivalent. And then the mm-hmm. other 15 is with a 23 or 35 millimeter equivalent. So you, and you it's, don't all, have, it's all Fuji. You don't have a backup or do you still have the X-Pro 1 from before? No, I don't. I don't. I do have the X-Pro 1, but it's not with me. I carry a Ricoh GR for backup, but I, okay. I haven't had to use it luckily so far. Yeah, Maybe at I, night, just for fun. As soon as you don't have a backup, that's exactly when you need it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's been my experience. But yeah, I do have that Rico. So you've, you've not done this continuously. As you said, there were certain times when money was tight, so right. you had to sort of regroup. Um, mm-hmm. So how many phases of this? Uh, uh, ex- spell out what the phases have been, and you're about to go on, on what you hope to, to be the completion of this trip. So just sort right. of break that down with what that's been yeah. like logistically well the last two years it has been non-stop but uh the first year i lived in istanbul so that was 20 all of 2015 and so yeah i was living in istanbul so i'd say 2015 it was like half and half living there and then half on the road doing this project then in 2016 i got some work in vietnam and i moved to ho chi minh or saigon and I did live there all of 2016 and some of 2017, but I was actually for a total of maybe four months there. And the rest was uh, on the road working on this project. And then 27 and 2018 so far has been nonstop, other than stopping to see family over a few weeks in the, in the winter. So yeah, now, now once I ran out of money, or once I was almost out of money, I, I decided I need to finish as fast as possible and I can't really take these breaks anymore. So I, I just kind of, I want to, want to be done with it so I can to see what else I'm going to do after this and kind of, cause I, I mean, working on this project, it's, it takes everything and uh, I can't do this forever. So yeah. I'd love so, to, but I can't. How many cities do you have left and what are some of those cities? Well, uh, so I'm at 82. I want to do at least a hundred. So, uh, I guess I have like around 18 to 20 left. So yeah, next is Glasgow. And then I'm going to Accra, Ghana and, uh, Dar es Salaam, Tanzania. I don't know if I'll go to Nairobi yet, but I might. And then I have a to go to Istanbul for to teach a workshop. And then after that, I'm going to finish Asia. I've already done quite a bit there, but I have. I'm going to. I haven't been to China yet, so I'm going to hit some cities there. Um, I have been to Tokyo, but many years before the project. So I'm going to do that for the project. Osaka, uh, Taipei, Taiwan, Manila in Jakarta, and then I'll try to, do, to finish off the year in Australia. I'm a little worried about Australia just because I know it's not cheap, but I have to include yeah. it. So. Well, you know, you mentioned the blog, and so you've gotten, you know, people who are following on Instagram, and, you know, it's, it's not like when you first started where maybe you and your family and some friends knew what you were doing. Right. Now you got a lot of people there. Is having people aware of, is having people aware of what you're doing? and being very supportive of it, helpful in any way, you know, does it, is it making any sort of difference as compared to when you first started? Uh, well, yeah, when I first started the blog, no, no, one, no one 
read it. So yeah, it was it was uh, pretty difficult at the start because I wanted you have to keep putting out content if you ever want anyone to to read it. But you you spend all this work and time on putting out the content, and I I, I do take it serious. I don't want to put out just fluff. So I spend a lot of time on the guides and the articles and things like that. Um, but when no one's reading it, it is difficult to continue. But then it does kind of work like a snowball. And once people start reading it, some some posts went viral and things like that. And then now it's got quite a few followers. But uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's nice to have all these people that uh, that that uh, read it. I can see through uh, Google that, that it's like 140 countries people are reading it. So that that's pretty cool, and a lot of people message me now, um, and uh, I get a lot of inspirational messages and and things like that. So yeah, it, it it's it, it it is pretty cool having that. It it does help. Yeah, it keeps uh, helps motivation when you when you're uh, kind of down on your luck and and uh, wondering if you should keep going. It, it does help for that. It also adds a ton of work. I didn't expect how much work it's going to add, but it it does add a lot. I mean, um, I started it to help people, but I get a lot of messages now for different advice and things like that. So just to keep that going, it, it's like a full-time job right now. So what are you hoping to do with the, with the project once, once the travel and the photography part of it is done? Well, I, I definitely plan on making uh, a book. I might make a few. I, I, I'm going to have one big book uh, that's more based on like uh, not necessarily each city, but um, connecting like different, different aspects of life and the connections I see across cultures and everyday life. Um, and there's going to be themes involved. And, and uh, that's kind of the idea right now. That's going to be the main book. But then I also might do some regional, uh, maybe zines or smaller books off that too. So I, 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 I have so many photos. So I, just, I plan on doing quite a bit of, of work from that. I plan on continuing teaching workshops and then seeing what else I can do with the website and what else I can do with all the photos too once it gets gets done. But after the project's done, it's going to be a lot of time just going through all those photos and just trying to put them together too. Oh, yeah. I can only imagine. <laughs> do you have a count, running count for how many yeah, photographs yeah. You've, you've made? Oh, man. It's hundreds of thousands. It's over 100,000. I know that. But I, oh. I, can't, I, I don't. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot because, yeah, I mean, it's every day. I and mean, now it's three and a half years. So, yeah. It's a couple terabytes, I know that. Well, one of the points I think you made, and someone asked you, or you said it in your presentation, is that while you're traveling, um, you know, your backup is really critical, especially for something as important as this. Uh, You're actively using the cloud to back up certain images. Were you just like backing up the images that you really liked, or were you... Or were there a greater number of images that you were uploading to the cloud? I back up everything, Uh, just kind of how I do it, I guess. I... Yeah, I don't, I back up, I have a, a two external hard drives I keep with me back up. And then whenever I get back home, I, I leave a full, I, I update the, I have a large external drive there that I update. And then I do have a cloud too. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, everything I back up, even the, even the worst, worst pictures. Oh my God. I can only imagine. Cause I have been, I have been in major cities and sometimes I'm just contending with the most atrocious internet. I can, I can't imagine, you know, I, trying to find yeah. a location that's viable to upload gigabytes of imagery. Yeah. It was really bad. This, it was pretty bad this year. I, for whatever reason, South America is, is pretty bad with, with internet. So, uh, yeah, I was staying at hostels, uh, which usually have decent internet, uh, around Asia and everywhere. Uh, but, but not so much in South America. So 
it, it never fully backed up until I got to the U.S. this year. Yeah, that was kind of concerning. Made you nervous, I bet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was weird. The, the best internet I had all of the South and Central uh, trip was in, uh, was in El Salvador, which I, you wouldn't, probably wouldn't expect. But yeah, I, I really? caught up mostly in El Salvador, yeah. I've heard amazing things about internet speed in South Korea, but I never would have thought. Yeah, I, yeah, South Korea is good. I, Romania was surprisingly really good too. Really good. That's fascinating. So when are you going to be done by the end of the year? I don't think it'll be possible, but I should be around 95 cities by the end of the year. So then I'll be pretty close. So yeah, we'll you know, see. Usually the question people ask when someone's worked on like a big project is yeah. uh, what are you going to do after it's going to take a vacation? But that seems yeah. completely <laughs> antithetical to what you're doing. Yeah, so. yeah. well, I, I could use a vacation. Surprisingly, <laughs> uh, I go to all these places with beaches, and I, I can't tell you the last time I laid out on a beach. <laughs> so, how are you going to sort of chill out and decompress after you've come back from the last city and you've come back home? Have you given any thought to what that uh, would look not like? Too much. I mean, yeah, I, I need to. Be, what I miss the most is is being in a place for at, at least a, longer than a, a week or two. Uh, I miss like going back to a place that I'm more used to and just being able to just kind of just relax and uh, feel comfortable. So that, that's what I look most forward to. So I'm like when I was living in Istanbul and, and Vietnam, it was nice going back. Once I, once I, the last two years where I've been moving constantly, it, it's been a lot more difficult not having any of that time to just kind of relax and not be, uh, be moving every week. Mm-hmm. So that, that'll be the thing I'm looking most forward to is kind of having a somewhat of a home where I'm, I know where to go for groceries and, and to eat and things like that. All the stuff we take for granted here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, my last question that I ask each guest, I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone that you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer yeah. be and why? I, I remember you have this question. I didn't think <laughs> about it beforehand. <laughs> Uh, there's so many, um, let me think, I don't know if anyone, well, for anyone that looks at Instagram two that, two that I really like, uh, I like Richard Calvar's Instagram a lot. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing most people are, or a lot of people are familiar with him. He's a magnet photographer, but not, not everyone is actually that familiar with him. So I really like his work because, uh, I take some of some inspiration from his work because he, I do a lot of times I look for humor mm-hmm. in life. And he, he really captures the humor of life and uh, just the, the, the strangeness of it all. But in a, in a, in a very, it, he captures the interest that, that mostly gets, goes unnoticed that I really like. And his uh, Instagram is very uh, up to date. He, he, he puts a lot of stuff on there and he doesn't share a lot of work in general. I think mm-hmm. he only has like one book. So you see a lot of photos that, that you probably haven't seen before, even if you do follow his work. Um, and then I do really like Pink Hassop too, and he's pretty. He's a uh, post a lot on Instagram too, and he's another magnet photographer. And he's a uh, he's really into color and light and things like that. And he has some, has some really great work on there. Well, best of luck on your travels, man. I wish you only the best. Thank and, you. And safe journey. And I I look forward to seeing what you produce uh, from now to then. Thanks a lot. Thanks to Forrest for spending time with us. To find out more about Forrest and his work, visit fdwalker.com and shooterfiles.com.
And you can show your support of The Candid Frame by writing a review in the iTunes store. You may have just happened upon the show, but many others use iTunes to search for photo podcasts. It's hard to stand out among the dozens of shows that are out there. Your reviews can make the difference between a listener finding us or not. If you believe in the uniqueness of this show and think it's worthy of attention, take the time to write a short review today. It makes a big difference. You can also support the show by making a monthly contribution through Patreon. And for as little as $2 a month, you can help us to not only meet the cost of production, but also improve our podcast, YouTube channel, and website. Or if you just want to make a one-time contribution, you can do so via PayPal. You'll find links for both on the Candid Frame website or the show notes. Thanks to Jeremy Olson and Deborah Fisher-Goldstein for their recent contributions to the show. Can't thank you enough. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free Candid Frame app, available for Apple iOS and Android. Not only will you immediately receive the latest episode on your phone or tablet, but you can now easily share your favorite episodes on your social network and help spread the word. And if you want to drop me a line with comments or suggestions for the show, you can email me directly from the app. Download it today by clicking on the link in the show notes or the website at thecandidframe.com. The Candid Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor. You can find at the other martintaylor.com. The show's senior producer is Cynthia Parker, and our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at simply at IbadianX. And this is IbadianX, and this is The Candid Frame.